0: Welcome to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Greg Rajan with the Houston Chronicle. Introducing a very special guest today, someone that you'll hear often on these podcast airwaves coming up. Joined by Jonathan Alexander, new Texans beat writer for the Chronicle. Jonathan, uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Houston. How's everything going today?
1: Everything's going good. Thanks for welcoming me. I'm glad to be here. Um, You know, trying to get adjusted to this Houston heat I hadn't experienced anything like this before, but everything else has been good.
0: You know, before we get started, um, why don't you why don't you introduce yourself, kind of to the uh, to the listeners? Like, where are you from? How how you get here? Your how long you been in journalism? The uh, just the facts portion.
1: Yeah, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, originally. Uh, born and raised. Uh, went to college in Raleigh, or I'm sorry, I went to college in Durham, to North Carolina Central. Uh, moved 30 minutes to Raleigh, um, lived in that area, if you you count college, for 11 years. And um, the last seven years, I've been working for the News and Observer in Raleigh, where I covered a variety of beats from news, town government, uh, cops, schools. And then the last four years of my career at the News and Observer, I did sports. I covered Duke basketball, UNC basketball, and football, and baseball, um, and recruiting. But I did UNC. Before I left, I was doing UNC basketball and football. Um, Then I went to the Charlotte Observer, opportunity to get into the NFL. Always wanted to get in the NFL. Went to the Charlotte Observer in July 2020. And I did that beat for two years. And at that point, after two years, I just felt it was time to to move on. And, And this opportunity came about and I'm glad to be here.
0: We're very glad to have you at the Chronicle. You did some great work in Charlotte, and I think the folks in Houston is, are really going to like your coverage of the Texans. So I want to ask you, you know, when a lot of us start a new job, you know, you've got orientation, you get onboarding and stuff like that. When you're taking over a pro sports beat, what is that process like to kind of get to know people? Because this is going to be the second time you've done it in three seasons. So t- take us through that.
1: So first task is... Is getting to know this roster and who's on this team, and and looking at the off-season moves they made, and and uh, watching a film on this team and figuring out why they may have struggled or why they may have succeeded, and making a lot of phone calls, of people, um, people that you deal with every day, um, hoping to get introductions with coaches and GMs. Um, so I have, I even have a lunch meeting today. Um, but I've been meeting with a few people, grabbing coffee, and hope, hopefully have some more meetings out in the future. So just trying to get to know people, um, people in the industry, people I'll be covering, um, and trying to be as prepared as possible when training camp uh, comes up later this month because it'll be full go after that.
0: You know, the NFL is probably the most nationally followed of the pro sports, I would think. I mean, a lot of these others are sometimes it's very hyper local or regional if you look at baseball hockey i would say the nba is on par with the nfl in terms of national appeal when you're out there in charlotte what is the perception of the texans you know being in a different conference different division they're kind of like i'm not saying they're a faceless opponent for a lot of the nfl but they're they're this they're the newest franchise in the league and I'm just curious what were your impressions from afar of the Texans cuz you covered a couple Panthers Texans games here in recent years or at least one this past year. Yeah.
1: So, I think uh you know, being that it is a newer franchise like the Panthers and the Jaguars, you know, came in 96 um and all three of those franchises including the Texans haven't won a Super Bowl. I think um there isn't that much relevance there especially when they're not winning. So, Um, You know, I I, I follow football for a long time, so I I, I know a little bit about the history of the Texans, but, you know, they just, I think in recent years, ever since, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt have left, they really haven't been in the limelight. So I haven't really paid as much attention to them. I hadn't really paid as much attention to them. And, and, you know, when you don't have a team that that consistently wins – They're out of uh, view of that national perception, so I didn't, other than the fact that the Panthers played them this year, hadn't really been paying much attention to them.
0: When you look at the Texans roster, who are some of the more intriguing players to you as this season uh, kicks off with training camp later this month?
1: Yeah, I uh, (laughs) was looking at film, and uh, one of the first observations I I put down on my notebook was uh, you know Brandon Cooks. is good at football. Um uh, he can he can definitely ball. Um, you know, and he's been do he's been at it for a while. Um, I like the potential of, of Nico Collins. Um and then of course uh the Texans draft Dmici. So I think they have a pretty good um wide receiver group or the potential to be really good and and you know perhaps that helps Davis Mills out who isn't necessarily a franchise type quarterback and Probably need some help to be successful in the NFL. So, um, you know, I'm interested in that. I'm interested to see what the defense can do. You lost Justin Reed. You draft Jalen Petrie. And you have Derek Stingley as well, who's a cornerback who, you know, has that potential, who was drafted, you know, really high, a little higher than I expected. But uh, I'm I'm interested to see how those guys adjust um, and, and the wide receiver group.
0: You know, you covered a team in Carolina, revolving door at quarterback, you know, the last few years. You had Cam Newton and Sam Darnold and Cam Newton came back, Teddy Bridgewater. Now you've got um, Baker Mayfield coming in. Obviously, I don't think you're going to have that revolving door here with the Texans this year. It looks like Davis Mills' job to lose, but what does this guy have to show, do you think, to like prove that he's a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL to where they don't, they're not looking in the draft next spring for a franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah. Um, I think they'll look regardless. However, I think for him to be successful, um, you know, cause every team is looking for a franchise quarterback. They look, if you don't have that guy, you're looking. And you know, I don't, I don't see like when I think of franchise quarterback, I think, you know, a guy who can put you on his back and and lead you from behind and, and do kind of great things. You know, I don't really see that much in Davis Mills. However, he has the potential to win with the right pieces around him. So I think when a lot of guys who aren't franchise quarterbacks, you have to take care of the football. Uh, You can't make mistakes. Um, That's the easiest way to get you benched. Um, So he has to play within whatever the game plan is and make smart decisions and be poised out there. And I think that will keep him as the starter until they find a franchise quarterback.
0: Lovie Smith is a well-traveled coach. He's starting his third NFL head coaching job. What are the biggest areas that you think he is going to impact or help this team as the head coach compared to his role as the defensive coordinator?
1: Yeah, I think you know, given I think the Texans, they you know they struggled a little bit on defense, but I think that was because of the lack of weapons they had on defense. Um, But I think uh, Lovie did a, a pretty good job considering. I think, um, yeah, as he continues to build that defense, and and you know these guys get a little more experience, and they got some a lot of draft picks next year. Um, but Stingley, a lot of young players who have potential. I think he can continue to build off that, and we know that Lovey Smith has that experience. You know what he did with the Chicago Bears um, and building some of the great defenses they had was was very impressive. So I think one of the things Lovey has to continue to do is build. Uh, you know, great coaches around him because assistant coaches play a huge role. Uh, I think Pep Hamilton has potential. I think he's done it. Um, you know, he was fired a little early with the Colts. You know, a lot of Andrew Luck even said that. Um, so I think continuing to put good assistant coaches around him and building that defense is what's going to help him be successful.
0: You know, Pep Hamilton, I believe he's a Charlotte native. Do you have any uh, special insight into Pep? Um, I know Pep
1: Hamilton went to West Charlotte High School, which was a rival of – of I went to two high schools, but was a rival of one of the high schools I went to. So I have spoken to him in the past, and we talked a little trash. Um, so uh, and But I'll tell you this. Pep Hamilton was a state champion in basketball, um, played football too. So I, I give him a lot of respect for that.
0: He wasn't the offensive coordinator last year. Tim Kelly was. Tim Kelly has since moved on. I think Pep hasn't been an offensive coordinator since what the Colts days with Andrew luck. what kind of wrinkles do you see him bringing to Davis Mills's game? I mean, I know they worked closely last year as a quarterbacks coach, but really this year as a coordinator, he has more of a chance to put his own imprint on the offense. yeah, I think you know they're going to run
1: this West Coast style offense. I think you know what you saw Pep Hamilton do with. Andrew Luck in in Indianapolis and, you know, at Stanford as well. I think he has that experience with great quarterbacks. You know, Andrew Luck was always going to be good, but for him to be um, where he was, that was the influence of Pep Hamilton as well. Um, So I think he knows what it takes to be a great quarterback. He can help uh, Davis Mills continue to develop. And you saw Davis Mills towards the end of last year get better and be a a lot more comfortable. So I think Pep Hamilton is a great guy for, for Davis Mills, and I think he's going to put him in the right, right position to, to succeed, or he can put him in the right position to succeed.
0: Training camp can be kind of monotonous. It starts here in about nine days. When you watch training camp, the portions you're allowed to watch, mm-hmm. what are the things that you like to look for?
1: Yeah, I like to see uh, – I look for guys who are winning their one-on-one matchups, guys who are out there um, playing hard, like, I think back to last year, you know, I knew DJ Moore was going to be good because he was dominating anybody who was guarding him. Yeah, I knew Sam Darnold was probably going to struggle because he was throwing interceptions at training camp. Not all the time, but, you know, you don't want to be, you know, doing that at training camp when it's just practice. I knew the Panthers weren't going to be great when they were getting dominated um, by the Baltimore Ravens at their joint practices. Um, so I look for guys. Winning their one on one matchups, guys who were working the hardest, guys who were being the leaders, the vocal leaders. Because <laughs> training camp, training camp in particular, does not lie. Um, if you see a guy struggling, or you see guys struggling in training camp, it likely means that they're going to struggle um, in the regular season. I've definitely learned my lesson thinking that the Panthers were going to be better and then seeing them in training camp struggle and they weren't good after all.
0: How important do you think preseason games are when you're looking at a team like the Texans where so many guys are competing for jobs or you've got these rookies trying to make their name in the NFL? Because for a lot of veteran-laden teams, training. I mean, preseason games are nothing. The the veterans don't play. It's mostly just for the younger guys to get themselves on film. But for the Texans, how important are these three preseason games coming up this summer?
1: Uh, With the Texans having such a young roster and and doing this – three- or four-year rebuild, um, I think it's crucial. Um, You know, they say you can't replicate game speed, and this is their first opportunity to see NFL game speed, and and they'll be playing against the second and third-string guys. So, um, you know, they'll have an opportunity to see what winning is like and, uh, you know, with your – Your best players being your young guys, you know, they have to go out there and and win their positions. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, preseason doesn't matter, but it is an opportunity to develop. Um, And when I say it doesn't matter, you know, I need to correct myself. You know, I think it's not indicative of what you'll see out in the regular season, Um, but it is a great time for them to develop and, and to see what this game speed is like.
0: So last year, the Bengals had not won a playoff game for 31 years. They shock the world and go to the Super Bowl after winning four games the year before. The Texans won four games last year. Is there any chance they could repeat what the Bengals did? Or is that a case of they don't have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? Yeah. I
1: mean, you talk to anybody around this league, you even study football, Uh, especially in these last, it's always been that way, but especially in these last, what, 10 years or so. You have to have a franchise quarterback uh, to do that. Joe Burrow was so, so far ahead of his game. Uh, you know, he wasn't the sole reason why they made it to the Super Bowl. The defense was a lot better. The Bengals made a lot of offseason acquisitions on the defensive side, um, signed some veterans to to sure up, up that unit and make them better. But ultimately it comes down to having a quarterback, a guy who can bring you from behind, um, when you're down, uh, a guy who can uh, make big throws. And right now, the the Texans don't quite have that. They haven't signed those big veterans, uh, key veterans. And, and right now, they don't have that franchise type of quarterback.
0: If I'm a Texans fan, is what I want to see this year is the team really, I'm not expecting to make the playoffs, but I kind of just want to see them be competitive and be close to turning a corner to where Next year in free agency, they're a little more active, and maybe the playoff push comes in 2023?
1: Absolutely. I think you you look at a team like the Detroit Lions, um, who, you know, they had one of the worst records in football. But in some of their games, they were really competitive and almost pulled off some wins. They even pulled off a close win. I can't remember exactly which team it was. But it just looked like they had a lot of young Got a lot of young guys who had the potential, and if they just continue to improve, they can be a lot better. Now they need a quarterback as well. I think that's what's going to have to get them over the hump. But I think the Texans need to show that too. You you have to show that you're competitive, even when you lose in close games. You have to show that you're getting better. Um, you know, there's nothing more deflating than a team that loses big and by a lot of points and loses. Uh, consistently by a lot of points so the Texans have to avoid that their younger players have to continue to improve uh, I think that's what gives people hope I think back to uh, you know I've been following the Panthers for a while now being that I'm a Charlotte native I think back to the 2011 season for the Carolina Panthers when they had Cam Newton even though they went 6-11 and that year I believe Um, you know, Cam Newton gave them hope because you knew he was going to get better and you knew if they just added some pieces, um, they were going to be a good team. And ultimately that was the case in 2015 for them.
0: When you look at the NFL, is culture an overrated buzzword or is that something really tangible with these winning organizations that you see around the league? I
1: think so. I think even you look at the Patriots who were led by Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, um, you know who had that sense of uh winning mentality you've seen uh Tom Brady uh bring that to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um you know they're serious football team uh I think they have a uh, a consistent um process um and and when you have great leaders who lead from top to bottom people fall in place because they see that so I think with the culture you have to establish a consistent culture in the team and and people have to have faith in that culture. Um, And once those leaders fall in line, the players behind them will fall in line. So I think that's very true. I don't know any team really that didn't have the right culture um, that really won a Super Bowl. I think the Rams had a great culture from Sean McVay um, and it it trickled down. I
0: want to ask you a a few media questions. When you look at your two seasons covering the Panthers, what are some of the favorite stories that you did on that beat? Looking back,
1: yeah, I think um, you know breaking the Cam Newton news uh, last November was was awesome because you know a lot of the smaller gu- media guys and newspapers don't often break the big news that potentially that have the potential to be national news. And I know that guys like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport are coming for those type of stories. Um, so to beat them and have them credit credit me was was very fun. Uh, you know, I enjoy writing features as well. Um, and, uh, you know, writing a couple of stories, one on Mick Mixon, who was a longtime voice and has such an impact on, um, you know, the Panthers and, and listeners. And, and he had a story that he had to tell uh, doing that. You know, his parents passed away uh, when he was 30, died in a plane crash. But, you know, he still um, was using that as motivation to be a great um, a great play-by-play voice. Um, I wrote a story on Shaq Thompson who lost his mother um, a couple of years ago, and uh, she was a big influence in their life. And just hearing her influence, and hearing how they, you know, fought themselves uh, for her death for not paying attention, and how uh, at the struggle she was going through, and how that continues to affect uh, their lives, and and being able to write also news um, that or news that anticipates moves happening and. You know, I wrote a long time ago that Baker Mayfield, the Panthers had interest in Baker Mayfield, and and eventually it kind of came to fruition.
0: When you started covering the NFL two years ago, what's the thing that surprised you the most about being on an NFL beat?
1: You know, how year-round it is and, and how much interest um, fans have in it, even during the off offseason. Uh, I think that uh, surprised me a little most. How... Um, you know, how important it is to have sourcing. Um, I mean, it's always important for any beat to have sourcing, but you have a lot of uh, sharks in the NFL, um, you know, world who are all trying to break news, um, and you have to be on top of your game. Um, but I think just the year-round nature of it, um, college basketball, i covered college basketball or and college football, and it wasn't as year-round um, as the NFL was. Um, which is why I did college football and college basketball. Um, so I think that surprised me about NFL. There's there's rarely a dull moment. Really, the, the slowest moments are these months before training camp, to be honest. It's the slowest all year. Everything else is almost full go.
0: Does it surprise you about the NFL that they can – I'm not saying manufacture content, but they can turn something like the schedule release or the Madden rankings coming out into content for people to consume when I guess before nobody would even pay attention to that stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've figured out how to make uh, the NFL a, a product an everyday product and, and people hang on to that. People really care about that, which is very interesting to me because, you know, otherwise I wouldn't really think that, you know, matting ratings were, were interesting. I mean, I played video games and have played Madden in the past, but I wouldn't think that that was interesting because it's not really indicative of what's going to happen. But everybody are, is anticipating how good their team is. So they, they trust that stuff. And the schedule lease is just so huge. I, you know, I think that, that definitely surprised me too, you know, how much people care. But people want to know when, when the good games are and, and, and uh, how ev- everything is in anticipation in the NFL. And they've learned to capitalize off that.
0: You spoke earlier that you, know, you covered Duke basketball, North Carolina basketball. What kind of experience is that covering those beats for the Raleigh Observer? Because you're talking Tobacco Road, basketball country. I'm sure the demand for news is just crazy on those beats from you know, the people that consume it. So what was it? I mean, how similar were those beats Duke and Carolina? How different were they?
1: Mm-hmm. I think um, as far as similar goes, uh, you know, so many people care about those two beats. At UNC, it was more of a local beat like the people in that area really cover UNC and it probably got most raiders for Duke. It was more of a national beat. People around the country uh, love Duke. You know, you're dealing with two hall of fame coaches, Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams, who have been around uh, the yard quite a few times and, and, and dealing with them, um, you know, is a, is a challenge, you know, at first. Uh, So um, getting to know them and being comfortable with them definitely helped me with an NFL beat, because if you can cover Mike Shosetsky and Roy Williams, you can cover anybody. Trust me. Um, so I think this, the similarities really are, you know, writing. People are going to be interested in those beats all the time, um, and you have a lot of fans. And I tend to think, to be honest with you, college fans are a little more crazier than than NFL fans. I mean, they care so much; it's their alma mater. Um, they care so much about those beats, but um, they're very similar in those aspects.
0: So, what was it? What was the vibe like in the state this spring when Duke and Carolina played in the Final Four for the first time?
1: Yeah, it was it was really split uh, between Duke fans and, and Carolina fans. I mean, that was huge. Those two teams didn't want to play each other, um, or the fan bases. The teams probably wanted to play each other, but the fan bases didn't want their teams to play each other because they're going to have years of bragging rights. That will probably won't happen for another 100 years for Duke and Carolina to play again in the Final Four. Uh, So now Carolina, who beat Duke, who wasn't even the most talented team, now they have bragging rights. And and trust me, they'll talk about it every week um, that they beat Duke in the Final Four and they sent Mike Krzyzewski home uh, (laughs) in his final year uh so it was a it was a crazy time uh in north carolina college sports
0: you know it um' gonna close with this. You introduced yourself to Texans fans on Twitter last week. You asked for some restaurant recommendations in Houston. How many did you get, and how many have you uh tried out you know since you got to houston
1: yeah i've I haven't been out very much lately because I've been trying to eat healthy recently, so I try to go out like uh once a uh once a week try to eat out. But I've been to a few really good Mexican restaurants and some some taco trucks. Now the taco trucks have been amazing. Um there's a place uh in the Galleria area called El Gato and they sell tacos for a dollar and fifty cents, which I've never seen before, but that's up my alley. Like, you know, I love uh, a cheap uh meal and on top of it for it to be really good, uh I was very impressed. But um pretty soon I'm gonna try turkey leg hut. Um see what all the All the fuss is about Breakfast Club, see what all the fuss is about, um, and a few other restaurants that I have to go to. So uh, definitely on my list.
0: All right. Jonathan Alexander, new Texans beat writer, thanks very much for your time. We'll look forward to talking to you during the season, and uh, take care.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. You can read all of our coverage at HoustonChronicle.com slash sports.